This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Frankly, I, I got to tell you, yeah. I'm not even trying to look for traffic stuff. stuff. So you're just all in on the all uh, Nordic combined? In, all in. Everything you can throw at me, well, I'm taking in. I'm very proud of you. I especially love the women's luge. Got a lot to say about that. I caught that. you watching I, you I know you did. Yep. I'm save all my comments for off the air. No, I think you should. I, sh- I think you should roll with them, Kenny. In this climate, no. especially. No, yeah. yeah. Light it all on fire, Kenny. Kenny. Come on. Employed. I think you like being employed. I know. Do you like being employed? I need a paycheck. What about the uh, women's bobsled? <laughs> Any comments? <laughs> Just do your show. <laughs> you started it. I'm going. One thing right off the top: the Cubs are again solid favorites to win the National League Central. You always got to keep your eye on the quiet ones. The Brewers had a punch and counterpunch offseason. The Cardinals have had an active offseason. The Cubs were mostly quiet. Now, you Darvish at the front of a rotation with John Lester, Kyle Hendricks. That makes the Cubs favorites to win again. Six years, $126 million, and incentives up to $150 million. And uh, you Darvish does reportedly have a player opt-out after the second year. Yes. I haven't seen the exact terms and, like, how much money per year. I mean, you can do the math, the average annual value. But, like, you and I talked about the front-loading of a contract and a second-year opt-out. So this is all very much... Kind of in the realm of what we talked about, but very much our plan. Now that you know it's six years, 126, incentives up to 150, and an opt out after two. Should the Twins, if they didn't match those demands and you, Darvish, just chose the Cubs, mm-hmm. should they have? Would you have? Typical cheap pull ads. Well, that's the, I mean, that's going to be no, the narrative. No, I would not have, and, and here's why. Uh, eventually, I think you are going to do a contract like this. I don't think this is the right player to do it with. I don't think now. Now, what does intrigue me? I'd like to know a little bit more about about the opt out uh, possibility after two years because that was part of the plan that we discussed a lot last week, and I like that part of the plan. Yeah. But when I see that the deal is six years, one twenty six, up to one fifty. Although I think to get to one fifty, he'd have to win like two Cy Youngs, or so he's not going to get to that. That being said. Uh, and I read this in the Star Tribune account of things on Sunday. What scared the Twins was not necessarily the cash as much as the term, and that's what would scare me too. So if the opt-out is his and he's pitching well and I've got six years of you Darvish at that age, I think eventually you're going to need to do a deal like this. In my mind, this was not the right pitcher to do it with. So, okay, but so I disagree a little almost. Like at first I thought, okay, you got to draw a line somewhere. I'm not going to guarantee six years... To a guy who's in his 30s already that in fact we have we've done the research on this show we will bring you a full segment of that research once and for all later in the show but like put it this way pretty rarely do six plus year contracts work out at the end for these pitchers 
I'm going to quote Thad Levine here from a Pioneer Press story on opt-out clauses. Like when you when you say, all right, it's a six-year contract, and we're going to let the player opt out if he wants, if he think he if he thinks he can get more money in the free agent you know market after two years. Here's what Thad Levine said about that. By definition, doesn't a player stay with you if he's performing at a value less than what you're paying him? And then he'd just walk if he's performing at a value above it? So I don't get where the benefit is to the baseball team. It seems to me very, very advantageous to the player. Yes, an opt-out would of course be advantageous to the player because he could go get more money than after the second year and go sign with somebody else. The benefit to the team is you get you Darvish for two years. So if, if the benefit is, well, you might have to pay a little bit more if he wins a Cy Young Award at at the front of the contract, yep. I would I like I I'm curious, could you have gone less term, five years, and the same money, let's say $125 million, mm-hmm. and give him an opt-out after two or three years? I'm I would have been fine with that. So I don't know where they drew the line. I'm okay not wanting to guarantee a guy six years. Yep. That makes that makes sense to me to draw the line there. Um, but you know, if if you could have had him for on a five year contract for similar money, the Star Tribune, I don't know. The Star Tribune reported on Sunday it was uh, that their offer to Darvish was five years for at least a hundred million dollars. That was what the strip reported. I here's my concern. My concern is that this he was tipping pitches thing is partially BS because when he. I go back to when he went from Texas to the Dodgers. If, if you recall, the Rangers had just played a series against the Marlins, and the whole thing was he's tipping pitches in Texas. We're going to fix like ten runs or something. Yeah, and but the whole thing then became the Dodgers are going to fix this, and then he went to the Dodgers, and the same problem existed. I guess my point is this: if I'm going to make this type of investment, this big of investment, I want to be a lot more sure. And the tipping pitches thing to me now seems to be a convenient way of saying, we hope this is the problem, and if we can fix it, we'll be fine. If you're wrong, though, it's a huge problem. Yeah, I So think, that's my concern. So I think uh, before we get into the reckless speculation phase of the proceedings, which is what will they do next or what should they do next, and there's a juicy report out there that just came out over the weekend from our guy Lavelli Neal. But one more thing on this Darvish front. So it's I, I see this from two perspectives. Number one, you know, it, it does rarely make sense or work out in the long run. Six, seven year contracts to starting pitchers who are this old. It's just usually you wind up at the end of it or even at the beginning of it thinking, Why did we do this? This is ridiculous. This this is not the same pitcher that we thought we were getting. So and then on top of that, there's about six or seven teams with baseball's current financial structure that can absorb those bad contracts. The Cubs are one of them. Mm-hmm. Where, you know what, and the Dodgers are another one too. Yeah, if this contract doesn't work out in three or four years, we'll be able to, with our TV revenue, it's, an, it's you know, the revenue sharing is there to some extent, but it's not like the NFL where it's everything is shared. Um, you know, the, the, the structure makes it easier for the Cubs, the Red Sox, Los Angeles teams, big market teams, the Yankees, to just absorb those bad contracts. The Twins, the Royals, those middle market teams that aren't bringing in $200 million in TV revenue. If we if we all assume that billionaire owners, yes, they are billionaires, but they want to make a profit off their baseball team. Um, that's the way the game is played. So the Twins, in the end, I think we're just skittish because if that contract is a dud and, and you have to pay $25 million at age 35 to a guy who's not a number one or two, three starter... A guy who's not a playoff rotation starter, like I get it from that perspective. Yes, I also get why Twins fans are frustrated because it's just another example of the Twins coming up short on a big time free agent, and that's been the narrative, whether it's 100 percent correct or not. Either cheap pole ads or cheap Terry Ryan 
Or in this case, same old front office. They walk up to the ledge and then they're too chicken to jump, right? They're too yep. chicken to actually go the extra year or the extra $20 million and, I'm telling and you, outbid a team like the Cubs. So I'm, I get that narrative. And I'm saying in this case, uh, with, with these guys now in their in their second year of being in charge of this baseball team, I'm willing to be patient enough to see if this becomes the always trend. If they do nothing, then it's going to get to, to be frustrating and disappointing at some point here. But this was the first big-time free agent pitcher that they pursued, and I can see the argument against potentially signing him to a six-year contract. And after two years, he's been okay, not great. And he says, okay, great, guys, four more years. Yeah, yeah. Four more years of you. And he's not tipping his pitches. He just stinks. So, what next? Reckless speculation. With no record for human life. And a cut in the mess comes back to get him. Freeze out on strikes, and that was just good old heat right there. And a cut and a miss. Archer strikes out the side. From the Star Tribune over the weekend, Lavelli Neal III. This was this morning, actually. Yesterday. This came out yesterday in the newspaper uh, this morning. Mm -hmm. After failing to land Hugh Darvish with a five-year contract offer, the Twins are looking at several other free agent pitchers, as well as exploring trades with multiple teams, according to several sources with knowledge of the club's search. One pitcher the Twins have targeted is Rays right-hander Chris Archer, and the club made a trade offer as recently as two weeks ago, a source confirmed. Let me pause it right there before we get into the reckless speculation. One thing that I do find somewhat comforting if you're a Twins fan here, for years and years, they weren't even making offers to the U Darvishes, to the best starting pitcher in free agency. They weren't even... They weren't even having active, meaningful conversations with those guys. They weren't offering three top prospects or whatever it would take for a Chris Archer. Now they're in the game, right? I mean, yes. they're they're in there with a five-year, $100 million offer to you, Darvish. Mm-hmm. Yes, they came up short again. And yes, it looks like they're just trying to make it look like they were. I get, I get those arguments. But this is a like, – Terry Ryan wasn't offering three top prospects for – Cliff Lee back in the day. In fact, he, he was trying to uh, shop his top player for those prospects. Yes. So he, he was actually in control of a guy like Archer in that case, and he was trying to trade him for prospects. So, so the Twins made an offer to, to the Tampa Bay Rays for Chris Archer in the last couple weeks, according to Lavelle. Tampa has some interest in outfielder Max Kepler as part of any package for Archer. Kepler, with a year and 153 days of service time, is under team control for five more years, including this upcoming season, which appeals to the Rays. Chris Archer, because of his contract, is one of the most valuable pitchers in baseball. He's one of the 15 best starting pitchers in baseball right now. His contract, so a lot of the other guys who are like either in the same category or maybe in that top tier, are making between 20 and $35 million per year. Per year. Mm-hmm. Chris Archer, who's 29 years old, is under contract for four more years at thirty-five million dollars total. Yes, for total fourteen million dollars the next two years, and then the last two two years of that four-year contract are team options for nine and eleven million dollars. He's an absolute bargain. You're if, paying Phil Hughes if more. If the than Rays, that. if the Rays are inquiring about Max Kepler, you say, "What else do you need? Let's get this done as we soon as possible." We will clone him five times. Yes, we'll, we know a scientist in Germany. This, this, this is a deal that you aggressively pursue, and this is the deal that solves a lot of your issues. And you start with Max Kepler, and you say, "All right, what else are you talking about?" And there are very few names 
of prospects who you say absolutely yeah. not to. I mean, I, I sit here and wonder, it, it, this is where I'm a little bit, my radar is up. Why are the Rays looking to trade four years at $35 million total of one of the top 12 to 15 starting pitchers in baseball? It's weird. I mean, that if you're just talking dollar for dollar, Chris Archer is a better commodity for the next four years than you Darvish for six. It's not even close. Now, I'd rather give up money than prospects, but if it means giving up Max Kepler and a couple guys who haven't even surfaced in the big leagues yet, how fast can I pull the trigger on that trade? I think the Rays are doing this because the, the Rays have had, what, uh, four consecutive down seasons. I think the Rays are very, very smart in their approach, and I think the Rays say, how can we maximize Archer's value right now? And the way that you do it is trade him with four, four years left, and this is this is the way that you get three really good or, or one big league player right now and then two or three really good prospects. Uh, by the way, uh, fairness in, in credit, Doogie had this news first on Max Kepler. Doogie had this news on his Scoop podcast last week. So go, I mean, go. Doogie is all over any trade speculation involving Chris Archer and the Twins right now. So uh, go subscribe to his Scoop podcast. Let's take a quick break here and continue our reckless speculation. So the Twins have made an offer for for Chris Archer, and it's not. I, I highly doubt if it's just like a you know a floating offer. They're looking for a top end starting pitcher. Chris Archer fits what they need. Big time strikeouts. Who would be off limits for you, and what would you realistically offer? Let's go down that path when we come back here. If you want to chime in on the reckless speculation, would you have gone in further a sixth year, more money for you, Darvish? 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd now continue. I want you to do it. The good Lord wants you to do it. You really think so? I know so. On 1500. ESPN. Reckless speculation. Yes, this reckless speculation in the TCL broadcast studios and uh, just texting back and forth with one of our best insiders here, Darren Doogie Wolfson, that uh, word is the Rays want any team involved in these Archer conversations to take Denard Spann's contract off of the books. Span signed like a three or four year deal a couple years ago with the Giants. Mm-hmm. And then the Giants... I think he wound up going from the Giants to the Rays, and so he's sitting there. It's not that bad of a contract. He's not the same player he was when he came up through the twin system. Sure. Uh, and by the way, as expected, it would take a lot to get Archer. Um, let's take, see here. I'm just going to read this. Taking back the contract is a uh, no problem to me whatsoever, by the way. No, so Denard Spann's contract is $11 million in 2018, $2 million of which is already being paid by the Giants. So it would be $9 million for... Denard spans age 34 season. He can still play a little bit. If you take him out of center field, which Byron Buxton would roam center field, and you put him in right field again, maybe he's not quite as rangy as he was eight years ago, but could he play right field on a part-time basis for $9 million because you get Chris Archer to come along with him from Tampa? And with Buxton by his side, he absolutely could. It'd be no problem at all. Yeah, so so last year, Span played 129 games, 12 homers. Uh, he stole 12 bases. He makes contact all the time. 272 average, 329 on base, slugged over 400 in a big ballpark there in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, like he's his, he's like a one and a half yeah. wins above replacement guy the last couple of years. That's what Max Kepler has meant. This- Max Kepler is a glorified, he's 25 with a lot of upside. He's one of the worst lefty on lefty hitters in the league. He's a 25 year old platoon corner outfielder right now. That's what he is right now. Yeah. All right. So re- recklessly speculate. 
if this if if the starting asking point for Archer from the Rays is Kepler, what else do they want? So this is what I would propose comfortably. And you tell me if I'm crazy on this. Because I think the Twins have enough depth of prospects now. They've got, and they've got Jose Barrios in the big leagues. Um, you know, they'd be getting Chris Archer to add to that rotation. And then Irvin Santana comes back. So you're, you know, would it be, would it be the Astros rotation where you've got a Cy Young Award guy or, you know, Keichel and a McCullers? No, I mean, but I would offer, if they want Max Kepler, I give him, I give him this choice, Kepler or Sano. I'd rather them take Sano personally. <laughs> you're begging them to take I'd rather them Miguel take Sano because I think, I think Max Kepler yeah. Probably at a cheaper rate. But I mean, if they want Max Kepler, I offer a Max Kepler. Yep. You pick Steven Gonsalves or Fernando Romero. Mm-hmm. So we keep one of those two top two pitching studs. You get the I've other got one. Gonsalves right here, yes. And then I would offer if it if it really came down to this, I would say, listen, those are the two guys, and then maybe we start dealing in the the, the lower end here. Like then they, they, maybe we get into like the fifteenth best pro- prospect in the system and we'll take Denard Span's contract. Or you keep Denard Span's contract, and mm-hmm. we'll give you Nick Gordon. So if if it if it if it didn't involve Denard Span, I would give Nick Gordon. I'd go Nick Gordon, Max Kepler, and Stephen Gonsalves to get four years of Chris Archer. That's a haul, and I would do it. I've got Kepler, Gonsalves, and Gordon written down right here, uh, and I have an expectation for their response. No one, Nick Gordon, Royce Lewis. That's my. That's what I think the. I think the response going to be those two. Reckless speculation. <laughs> so I think there's three players that I say are off limits. Young players. All right. So three players, you know, 25 years old and, and younger-ish. I make Byron Buxton and Jose Barrios off limits for sure. I might be missing somebody in here. And the third name I put down was Royce Lewis. Well. Because I think Royce Lewis is going to be your best player in about five years. Hey, him, and, like, him and Byron Buxton. And you very well might be right. But if they come back and say... Kepler, Gonsalves, and Lewis, and then and then let's say they say, okay, if that's too rich for your blood, take out Gonsalves, uh, give us Kepler and Lewis, and a, you know, top twenty prospect. Reckless speculation. Need to think for a minute. Okay, because this is, I think they're going to say Royce Lewis, but Kepler, Gonsalves, and Royce Lewis, and taking on Denard. No, no, contract, no. I think they would take aggressive. out the span contract. But what I'm saying is, I could see them taking out maybe Gonsalves then and saying, "Okay, give us Kepler, Royce Lewis, and a lesser uh, pitching prospect." Well, but and here's something else to keep in mind. Now, Royce Lewis was the number one overall pick, so that is very rarely does the number one overall pick not do something in the big leagues. I mean, like at least surface and be mm-hmm. a somewhat a, a Delman Young at worst, right? That it's pretty rare that the number one overall pick is just worthless. Mm-hmm. So there's. You could you could play the game with Steven Gonsalves and Fernando Romero and Nick Gordon and Brent Rooker and name all the other Twins top ten prospects and you could say, look at those lists ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Half of them don't do anything, or are just platoon players. So you're overvaluing Steven Gonsalves if you say, oh, I would never include the Twins' best pitching prospect who's never pitched in the big leagues for Chris Archer, who's one of the best fifteen starters in the league. Like, I'm willing to to say that between Fernando Romero, Steven Gonsalves. Brent Rooker and Nick Gordon, those four guys who have never played in the big leagues and they're all four, four of the top ten prospects in the system, two of them are going to be duds. And I'm fine, you know, I'm 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 fine at least trading one or two of them for a known commodity in Chris Archer. Royce Lewis is not as much of an unknown commodity. And everything you hear about his work ethic, his maturity, his skill set, 
and the fact that he was the number one overall pick means he's going to do something in the big league. 651-646-8255. Let's go to Lou. We're talking you, Darvish. The Twins missed out on him. Chris Archer, they made a trade offer to the Rays. What's up, Lou? First of all, on the U Darvish thing, mm-hmm. I think they should have pushed U Darvish a couple weeks ago to make a decision because they just got played by U Darvish as a bargaining chip against the Cubs and everybody else. They should have forced us two, three years ago in yes. that on that part. Second of all, you're talking about this trade, Chris Archer. I'd love this, especially I love getting Denard's band back too because he could be a backup outfielder to Buxton when he gets hurt a little bit. And you might have to sign a little free agent outfielder that's probably available to a right fielder, so they can both could play right field too at the same time. But I'd I'd love that. Yeah, I don't I don't hate the span aspect, Lou. Because so so he's definitely not the player he was. But of course not. But it's almost being painted as well. You'd have to take on Denard Span's contract. Okay, so I I pay him nine million dollars to play some right field yeah, and to maybe platoon, and then I buy him out for four million dollars, so I don't have to pay him in two thousand nineteen when he's thirty five. Yeah, I can say back up to Buxton, too, in center field when Buxton gets hurt a little bit. Sure. Like yeah, he, would, he would. Pro- Thank you, Lou. It's a good phone call. Absolute, absolutely fine. I don't view taking on, let's say, it would be about $13 million Here, for Denard Span. I don't I don't believe that that's this huge like deal. Here's stopper. the Rays' long play, too, and I, I think that this is why they're um, aggressively potentially trying to shop Archer now. Did you see the news? I think it came out in the past few days that they, are, they, are, um, they have filed for a potential relocation of a stadium uh, from St. Pete to Tampa. And so I think what they're saying is if they can get a stadium in Tampa, be an outdoor stadium, I think their play is Archer's really good right now, so let's maximize his his value, get as many prospects as we can. So when, when we move into our new stadium potentially, your team's ready to you run. now go in with, you know, you go in with Kepler is that is what four or five years into his career at that so, point. So he'd be twenty-seven. Yeah, you know Gordon possibly. So I think they are they're trying to look at the Archer play as let's take a guy who is cheap right now and, and we can get a ton for it. when we get into that stadium. We're going to be in great shape. Yeah, and and I think on Max Kepler, there's still a lot of upside there, but he's not twenty-two anymore. He's twenty-five. He hit like a buck fifty off lefties last year and didn't slug out of a wet brown paper bag. So as of right now, he has a mile to go before he can even be serviceable. Like he's not even playable against left-handed pitching right now. So if they're that hot on five years of team control, Max Kepler, I say, yeah, we're giving up. There's some upside there that he's probably going to fulfill, but he doesn't play a premium position in general. If you don't play center field, shortstop, or cream of the crop at catcher or pitcher, maybe some third base, second base. But if you're corner outfielder, first base, or DH, or relief pitcher, I can replace you. I can replace you. But you're potentially getting a a 29-year-old ace with four years of control yourself of that player. Yes. That's the the thing. I mean, when when you're talking about a contract that has four years and $34 million left for a potential ace in this market, in this climate. Does it scare you at all that like half the pitchers in baseball undergo Tommy John at some point and Chris Archer has gone three straight years of 200 innings, 194 the year before that? He's led the league in games started two out of the last three years. And he hasn't had the Tommy John. I don't think he had it in the minor league, so he hasn't had it yet. It mi- you're going you're gonna to trade for him, and he's going to have... It mildly, yes, it mildly concerns me. 
Uh, that being said, if the package started with Kepler, w- would I aggressively pursue it? Absolutely. Yes. So, yes, it concerns me uh, to a certain degree. But if you're talking about putting a guy at the top of, of your rotation who's 29, who you know is really good, who you have for essentially in baseball terms dirt cheap for four years, yeah. I do the deal. I, I mean, I would almost I recklessly to... speculate and do the deal. <laughs> I love it. Reckless speculation. We need T-shirts. Reckless speculation. We just move on to the more, more I think about this, I would say Buxton, Barrios, Royce, Lewis off limits, and you can choose any three players under the age of twenty-five or younger. How old's Jorge Polanco? Twenty-five. I mean, I'd put him in the mix too. Now that's two of your major league starters. You'd have to fill those gaps offensively, and Jorge Polanco is one of your best players down the stretch You're last in pretty year. Pretty good but, shape at shortstop, though. But I would but say, yes, you could do that. I would almost say, let's take maybe maybe Jorge Polanco's off the board because he already has like, there's there's less service time there, um, or there's more, I guess, than Kepler. I would almost say any player 25 years of age or younger, and you can pick three of them. But Buxton, Barrios, and Royce Lewis are off the board. So if you want, and only one major leaguer, so Polanco, Sano, Kepler in the same category, and then literally pick two other players in the organization. Not named Royce Lewis, Jose Barrios, Byron Buxton. So if you want Max Kepler, mm-hmm. Fernando Romero, and Steven Gonzalez, all right. Have at it. I guess go ahead. If you want Max Here's Kepler, tell Nick Gordon, and Brent Rooker, I call all them right, up. that sucks, but it's Chris Archer. I call the, the Rays up and I say, what you don't know is that Miguel has been a saint. He has been an apt. He's lost a lot. He's looking great, first of all. And a gentleman. I think he Opens plays doors. I think he plays third base <laughs> for a good 10 more years, folks. So I mean, it, he's not grabbing wrists anymore. You don't have to take him, but you're missing out. I I start I start the Miguel Sano rehabilitation personality plan today. Yeah, here's what this is what I'm saying about Kepler too. Tim emails the show. Kepler is like Charlie Coyle, the Twins' version of Charlie Coyle, <laughs> where he'll look great for a couple weeks, then disappear. You see the upside. Yeah. You'll you'll watch Charlie Two Coyle goals on Saturday night. There it is. Yeah, yep. against the Blackhawks. He heard our show on Friday and decided yep. to score a couple goals. Uh, like you'll see Charlie Coyle for two months look like this rising star player who can who can body up anybody in the NHL and then he'll just disappear and he won't score for a month and a half. And Max Kepler is kind of the same way. He'll hit a walk off three run homer over a three home run game and he'll hit two doubles and line drives all over the field and then he won't get a hit off a lefty for a month. If he if he didn't do that and you offered me this good of pitcher who still has this cheap a contract, I'd still do it. Like there's very there's very few players in this organization that I would tell the Rays no one for Chris Archer, Buxton no one, Lewis I'm not positive I'd say I could depending on what the package was I'm not positive I would bring myself to say no it would take it would probably take uh, quite a attractive offer from them as far as what else that they would want but there are very few players in this organization who I would say you are not you are not going to get that player or those players for Chris Archer. Yeah. A little bit later on, let's so the reason I'm a little bit more hesitant on Roy Lewis there, I don't put him in the same category as other top prospects. I'm telling you, if you look at a list of the number 1 overall picks going back in time, it's there's a few busts, there's mm-hmm. a there's a Brian Bullington bust in 2002. Easy. Matt Bush ran into some drug problems. Royce Lewis is not. Matt Bush is a different. And Matt Bush came back and became a really good reliever. Mm-hmm. Even like Luke Hoshaver became a really good setup guy. It's rare that 
it's rare that that guy busts out. And then there's Hall of Fame at the top. I'm just saying, so. I'm, it, it's a, it's a, it would be, it would present a dilemma to me if if I could get my hands on a picture this good. Reckless speculation. Plenty more of that later in the show. And you can tweet at us, email us, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com, at 1500ESPN, Judd, at Phil Mackie on Twitter. So the conversation is open all day long. Two parts. Should the Twins have gone another year and or more money for you, Darvish? Or was five years, 100 plus million, the line that you would have drawn in the sand? And what would or wouldn't you give up for four years and $35 million total of Chris Archer, one of the top 15, 12 to 15 starting pitchers in baseball? Uh, did the Vikings screw over one of their top assistant coaches over the weekend? Let's talk about that. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. May I present a pair of fellow sophisticates? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right. The reckless speculation is this is a reckless speculation you, Monday, baby. Would I you love rather this. have Archer or Cousins? Oh, my God. <laughs> in, in terms of reckless speculation in this town, would you rather have Chris Archer as the Twins' ace pitcher or it's Kirk Cousins close. signed to a massive contract as the oh, Vikings starting quarterback? It's not even close, right? Chris Archer, because the equivalent would be if you could get Kirk Cousins for like $5 million or something. Although, But but Chris Archer, relative to the other starting pitchers in baseball, yep. is, is in a higher uh, percentile than Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins is, of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, is in like the correct. 75th percentile. Yes, correct. Or, I mean, you might even argue that, 60th to 80th percentile. Chris Archer is in like the 90th percentile. Mm-hmm. He's not in the Corey Kluber, Clayton Kershaw. He's not in that category. Clayton Kershaw, is in a, he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And then there's Corey Kluber and some of those other guys. There's like five pitchers, Max Scherzer, back-to-back Cy Youngs. Archer is firmly in that second tier. It would be like if Matt Ryan were available for an absurdly low rate yeah, for the next four years and he was three cheap, years yeah. younger. Yeah, You'd say, well, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but holy crap, I can I can pencil this in and then I have money to build out the rest of my roster. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty much what we're dealing with here. I, I think my my reckless speculation rankings for, uh, for this uh, show would, would be this. Archer is one on my list. Cousins would be two on my list. And if he hadn't signed with the Cubs, Darvish behind Cousins. Because I don't like the contract. And and yeah. I'm pretty sure that, that once we see the Cousins contract, I won't like that either. But, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about four years. And, by the way, who was Archer's reps who signed that contract? I'm amazed they got him locked That's in for it. That's the thing, man. But, That's I mean, to, get, to be smart enough, if you're the Rays, and to be potentially gullible enough, if you're the Archer camp, to lock in for that long— that's the thing that's amazing about that contract. So what I think they did was, I think they gave him one, two, three, like a seven-year contract when he was 26. <laughs> this is exactly what they did with Longoria. Oh, it's genius. Where yeah. they say, all right, we're going to give you, let's see, it'd be 20, 33. We're going to give you like $40 million over six or seven years. When you're new to the major leagues, we're going to bank that you're going to be healthy. So if you're not healthy, you're going to get $40 million, or there are team options, so let's call it $25 million. Sure. Um, you know, Now, if you are healthy, you're not going to reach free agency until you're 32, but you can still make some money when you're 32, but it's an extraordinarily team-friendly contract that you don't see now. And I don't think, I don't think agents are signing these contracts anymore. For a while, it was like, oh, you're going to give 
my guy who'd be making $500,000 a year for the next three years and then limited in arbitration, you're <laughs> right, going to give him like a $40 million dollar yes. contract right now when, he, when he's pitched one year in the big leagues? Okay. And if you're an agent, let's, let's say you're kind of a young agent or you're not one of the big agencies, and I don't know who, is he, who, who represents him, but if you're uh, you like that guy who represented Miguel Sano for a couple of years, what was that guy's name again? And then he went to Jay-Z's agency. Yeah, the guy with the great Kyle name. Thousand. Yeah, Ky- yeah Kyle, Kyle, hey. What's Miguel Sano's slugging percentage? About a thousand. Not that guy, but the guy before him. Yes. I can't remember, I his, name. remember his name. But like if that guy, if somebody offered him and his client forty million dollars to buy out arbitration and he'd lock in. You'd say, Wait, I get what's my commission on that? Okay. I'll probably sign that deal. I want to say the team that started to do that, if I'm not mistaken, in baseball is the early nineteen nineties Indians, right? In J- they got into Jacobs Field and they got good and they had that really good young nucleus of players. And I think they started locking all those guys into like five, six year contracts. At, yeah. at, at, and they, they paid them well, but they uh, bought out arbitration and probably a free agency year. And uh, there were about, I think, four or five of those guys that signed those contracts, which, which at the time looked great. But you got about four years down the road, and you're probably thinking, "What the hell did I do this for? Yeah. I could have been, I could have made a lot more." We'll get to that Vikings thing in just a second here in the TCL broadcast studios. But uh, responding to our guy Twins Anonymous on Twitter, strongly disagree with the Coil Kepler analogy. Kepler doesn't even have two full years of MLB service time. Coil has five plus seasons, and we're sitting here three years from now wondering, you know, what the hell Kepler? If we're sitting here in three years from now wondering what Kepler is then maybe you can make the comparison. I would even take it, I agree, I think Coyle has had longer to tell you who he is than Kepler. But I would even go this far. If Kepler goes up two notches, and maybe doesn't become this Hall of Fame caliber player, but but he becomes a multi-time All-Star, plays a good solid right field, I would be comfortable with that. I would be comfortable with that because you have a, a Brent Rooker in your system who's going to be up later this year. You can find right fielders for reasonable is, prices. I would do. You can't find top of the line starting pitchers. You can't. This is you trading. Oh, okay, so f- forget coil. Forget comparisons. What you're doing here is you're potentially trading uh, a guy who plays a position, as you just said, that can be replaced, right? For what, what amounts to a quarterback in football, they're damn near impossible to find. And I would much rather give up an asset like Kepler and, and have him go on to be successful than I would have on Saturday announced a six-year, $126 million contract with you, Darvish, to two years in, prove he's not tipping his pitches, proving he's fallen off the table, and he can sit there and say, okay, I got four more years now, boys. And you can't—this is the thing. For all we want the Twins to sign these long-term, rich contracts, what we don't take into account is— if they if and when you do it, if they're wrong, even in a non-salary cap league, it's death. Sure. I would but I would say this. There's no reason why you can't do both. If you think you have 20, 15 to 20 quality prospects, and this is another thing. This is it's immeasurable. We're not gonna see the potential benefits for several years, maybe. The way that Thad Levine and Derek Falvey are building the organization by bringing on 40 extra bodies of scouts, teachers, analytics people, they're looking to raise the water level of the system and the developmental pipeline. I mean, we sit here and we follow this team for 10 or 15 years, and in our minds, they never develop a pitcher. 
we overvalue prospects on a regular basis because, well, Kyle Gibson was a top 15 overall pick and mm-hmm. one of the best pitchers in the minors can't get an out in the big leagues until like August of last year. Mm-hmm. And so I get that there's this jaded part of the fan base that says, oh, I mean, these prospects are worth nothing. You might get you might get the best of both worlds here. If this front office and the system that they're building raises the water level or the percentage chance of these lottery tickets, which is what a prospect is, of cashing in over time, and all of a sudden of your top 20 prospects, instead of like five of them being quality big leaguers, maybe seven or eight of them are, mm-hmm. now you feel more comfortable and they seem willing to do this because they made an offer for Chris Archer and a $100 million contract offered to you, mm-hmm. Darvish, trading from that pool of players and and taking that next step when you're ready to win. I don't see any reason why you couldn't have offered a two-year opt-out and a five-year deal that was maybe more money over five years than the six-year deal the Cubs offered to you, Darvish. So you're not you're not paying him when he's 37 years old and offering three prospects for Chris Archer. And now your rotation is Darvish, Archer, Barrios. That, but think about this. Darvish, yeah. Archer, Barrios. Yep. Irvin Santana when he comes back. Yep. And then whoever's left over between Gonzalez and Romero. And all you've given up is money, which Maurer's contract comes off the books. You've given up three prospects from a system that you feel comfortable that you can just plug guys in. You can go find the next Nick Gordon. Go find the next Brent Rooker, right? The best hitter in the SEC that you got in the second round. You know what you're being right now? Reckless. (laughs) You're being completely reckless. Reckless speculation. So I'm just saying, like, Let's get, think. Let's think bigger, even no, as a I mid-market get, team. I get what you're saying. When you're ready to win, all, all I'm saying is, if you were comfortable at five years and a hundred million dollars for Darvish, and they said no, we're taking six from the Cubs. I'm fine with saying hard pass on that. But what I am saying is, this Archer trade intrigues me, and I think if you have, if you are a um, a tandem like the Twins are with two guys who are confident in their ability to find prospects, then you know what what. Doesn't scare you? Trading prospects. So if you think, you know, Terry always protected them like they were like they were just all gold. Well, if they are gold, that's great because you can spin those off and go find more gold yeah. if you tr- if you trust your abilities to t- continue to develop players. But I think you have to you have to treat the the finding of prospects and the development of prospects like like mining for gold, right? That you're gonna yes. you're gonna create these things that are 21, 22 year old commodities that haven't quite serviced in the big leagues yet. But when it comes time to pull the trigger and get rid of two or three of those commodities for a known commodity, mm-hmm. be less stingy. Right, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, yes. exactly. So and, develop, and then go find more prospects because you have confidence to do that. Yes, develop a pool of 15 to 20 commodities that you feel really comfortable with between the ages of 19 and 22, and then don't bleeping blink when a Chris Archer at age 29 is ready to be traded for. Absolutely. All right, the Vikings might be screwing over one of their top coaches. Let's talk about that here. When we come back, but first, Judd has a word for prime mortgage lending. I do indeed, and I've got a question for for you here, Phil and Dave and listeners, and it's very, very simple. What would you think if I told you a mortgage company's philosophy was this? We would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. That's right. We'd rather earn your your trust than sell you a loan, and now you're saying to me... (laughs) Number one, Judd, that sounds too good to be true. And number two, you're saying there is no way that's the case. And I'm telling you that's exactly the case. My friend Kent McCullough and the folks in Prime and Bloomington want you to believe that. And here's how. If you don't believe me, go to the website right now, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T dot com. This isn't about selling you on something. These people at Prime want to earn your trust, and they're going to show you how Prime works. And I'm going to tell you right now from my conversations with Kent, 
They are different from the other guys. They are completely different, and they, they want you to see that. Kent and the folks at Prime believe in teamwork, and they believe in collaboration. Once again, I want you to go to their website and check it out for yourself. That's GoPrimeWithKent.com. GoPrimeWithKent, K-E-N-T.com. Do it today. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Are you guys ready to have some fun? On 1500 ESPN. The 2018 Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center, and it's starting this weekend, Friday through Sunday. Buy your tickets in advance and receive over $470,000. Uh, 470, that would be a lot of money. Just $470 <laughs> in value. That's all you're going to get, but that's still really good because each paid advance ticket does receive 19 free green passes and your choice of golf shirt. Whew, I got excited there. Purchase your tickets at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. In the TCL broadcast studios where Dave Harrigan gets really excited about Do you know what I can't wait for? Reads. In, in uh, today's programming on, on this station, I can't wait for the ride to start. Because if, oh. that, if the portly guy in Fort Myers... I don't Myers, think he listens to us when he's in Florida, he, though. I don't know he doesn't. He's made some references that indicate he might. But I, I hope he hears... I hope he's heard this first hour of completely... Speculation. This hour combined with the angst on Twitter from Patrick Saturday about the Vikings oh, and yeah. Stefanski. Oh my gosh, he's going to be in a rare yeah. form. In fact, so Patrick sometimes his opinions are very obvious. He tries to, he tries to project <laughs> this objective, unbiased. Hey, listen, I'm not a contrarian. I just tell the truth. Well, he hates the Gophers. He hates the Vikings and the Wilfs. And so anything he can. If he can pile on Patino or Fleck or the Wilfs in some form. And this is the latest thing. So the Vikings have blocked Kevin Stefanski, highly regarded quarterbacks coach, from interviewing for, but let's be honest, taking the Giants offensive coordinator job. Pat Shermer wants to bring Kevin Stefanski over. Yep. And the, and the Vikings blocked it. So the rule is, if you're an assistant coach... There's head coach and assistant coach, and coordinator is included in assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And so if you get summoned to interview for a head coaching job, your team can't block you because it's a clear promotion. The flaw in the system is it's also a clear promotion to get a yeah. coordinator job financially, yes. you know, status, everything. But the NFL system groups all of those assistants together so a team can block you. To which I say, even knowing that, the outrage is over the top. Like Pat was ranting about this all day. I think it was Saturday. Um, this is my thought on it. Kevin Stefanski is a young guy. He's 35 years old. He signed a multi-year contract, so he's under contract for 2018. And the Vikings, my guess is they're going to give him a raise behind the scenes, maybe not as much as he'd make as a coordinator in New York. But there's no doubt, unless the Vikings offense totally tanks and and he loses all you know status as a good quarterbacks coach, mm -hmm. at that age... He's going to be fine. Like, his life isn't ruined because the Vikings value him and want him back to honor the contract that he signed. The big picture of this, though, is the rule makes no sense. Just change it. And and I got responses back because I said, and I remember finding this out. I think the first time this became clear to me that it was a rule was for years and years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers blocked Mike Tomlin from talking to teams about their coordinator job. And he finally got the one here in 2006 because his contract expired. Um, so just change the rule and make it very clear. If you're a position coach and I come to you for a coordinator job, you can't be blocked. And so this, this is Stefanski, Tomlin. Yeah. It's just, it makes, it makes no sense in, in a league that encourages advancement of its employees. It makes no sense to be able to block a tight ends coach from becoming an sure. OC. So I agree that the, so the, the, rule, the rule should be changed. I agree. But for, but, but 
the rule isn't changed. This is the rule. And so people are bringing up the John Filippo example, that he was the Eagles quarterbacks coach, and the Eagles granted him permission to interview with the Vikings for a coordinator job. And that's not exactly true. His contract was about to expire, I think, like Wednesday of this week. Third, yes, on, on Valentine's Day, you're correct. It was so on expire. the 14th. Yep. So, so all the Eagles did yes. was just expedite well, the process, which is good for them, too, because they want to know who their next quarterback's coach and coordinator combination are going to be now that Frank Reich is gone. And now the Jets, in fact, the Jets came to the Eagles, so um, so uh, DiFilippo took the job with the Eagles, I think, a, a year ago or two years ago now. And so one year into that job, so so last um, spring, I believe, or after the 2016 season, the Jets came to them and said, can we talk to him about our offensive uh, coordinator job? And and they said no. So my only point is just change it. It's fine. I mean, just Or if you're if, if it doesn't get changed, to yeah. talk to, about a coordinator job. If it and if it doesn't get changed, if you're a position coach, you don't have to sign a two year contract. You can sign a one year contract. If you bet on yourself, sign a one year contract. And then go interview for coordinator jobs every single year. I, but I don't blame them. I don't blame them for signing those contracts. It's just it's very very simple. If you can advance, allow a guy. No, I know, but I, to I adv- so okay. We both agree on that. Yeah. The question is, people like Royce right. are ripping the Vikings well, for blocking him for interviewing, and I say who? It's a I can, he's under I do contract. Care. I do care, and but my point is. If you're a position coach, you shouldn't uh, feel that you can't take a multi-year contract because you can be blocked from taking a clear promotion. That's my point. It's really, really simple. I'm more on Royce's side of the argument. I'm against you, Phil. My point is contracts in the NFL, especially when you're talking about players, they're not worth the paper they're written on. So Mm -hmm. whether he's on a one-year or two-year deal, that, that doesn't bother me. I look at a guy like you. You used to work at a different radio station where you were a part-time employee, did some writing. You came sure. over here on a full-time job. You got to be partnered with Royce, big-time sure. show host. You got a you know, big advancement. Now, they couldn't stop you over there, but let's be honest. There was a little bad blood, right? So there, They would have if they could have. Well, so, yes. So, a little apples to oranges, but I... So, let's bring up, like, our situations at radio stations. So, mm-hmm. we sign contracts. Mm-hmm. The difference there is... I don't think I've ever talked about this on the air, but since we're into it... I wasn't under a contract. Yeah. I was just like an at-will employee. And, I mean, their mistake would have been if they've if, if there wasn't a non-compete or something on the end of it. So, like, the, if it's apples to apples, let's say someone – let's say you have one year left on your radio contract. And you have a chance to – you have a chance to go to uh, – I don't know. Like, you get to be Golik's next co-host or something. Judd Zulgad. It's going to be Golik and Zulgad. <laughs> Wow, that'd be early to get up. <laughs> Bad news for Golic. Right. Yeah, well, so that might yeah, be, an, actually, you know what? That's an extreme example because you'd make yeah. millions of dollars doing that. Let's say you had a chance to go to, like, a top three market. You had a chance to go to Chicago. It's going to be uh, Bernstein and Zolgad on the score in Chicago. Or Zolgad and Goff. We're going to talk sports and... Recklessly speculating. Talk Cubs and Bears, right? Yep. That's right. We're going to talk Blackhawks. Man, are they bad. Oh, are they bad. If you had a year left on your contract, Dan Seaman and Brad Lane could say, hey, that's great. We're going to need you to fulfill the rest of your contract here. Uh Like, we're not ready to just let you leave for another local radio job somewhere else. That clearly is a step up because you're going to a top three market, right? Like, they could say no, and you could say, well, what the, but this is a chance for me to advance my career. And they could say, you can totally do that when you're done fulfilling the contractual obligation that you signed. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with it. He's going to get a coordinator okay. job if he's good enough but, to. But keep in mind, this league is very big with the Rooney rule and rules like that. This league is very big on advancement, and so they're needlessly blocking it here. It's a position coach job. 
go find go find one. And if Stefanski if Stefanski truly w- wanted to take the job with the Giants and Shermer, you already told him, well, we don't think that you're good enough yet to, to be ROC. And now I see the the reports about well, if DeFilippo has a great year, he might be. Go- this is all taking a lot. This is all taking big, big steps and, and assumptions. Right, but I think you're. So, I, I think you're sort of. I don't think we can credit the Vikings coaching staff, and Pat Shermer gets the most credit. But I don't think we can credit the coaching staff for for pumping up Sam Bradford and Case Keenum's tires for two years, best seasons of their careers, and then also say, well, I mean, he's just a quarterback's coach. I mean, you can just go find one. Let the guy go to New York, one of your chief rivals in the NFC, maybe going forward here. Like, I'm let's let's pause this. Will, we'll get to your phone call. Did the Vikings screw Kevin Stefanski, or <laughs> did Kevin Stefanski screw? Kevin Stefanski, as Vince McMahon would say. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. 